Okay, I'm recording as well. Oh, wait, were, my, were my levels fine? Have my levels been consistently yeah, decent? You, your audio sounded fine. It was okay. it was within the uh, Goldilocks zone, so to speak. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Real uh, real uh, uh, audio engineer nerd stuff meets uh, planetary science nerd stuff. That's what I'm we fucking fuck- talking about right <laughs> we there. We fucking did it. We did <laughs> science and engineering and we're Finally doing space stuff. combined in the most unlikely way possible. I don't this like is, space stuff. This is a space podcast now. No. <laughs> Denied. Welcome back to uh, Work Rocket, the only uh, show about what labor conditions will be like during humankind's early expansion into the solar system. <laughs> when Elon Musk owns the moon. That's right. That's right. When Elon Musk makes his own moon laws and Mars laws, where will the workers be then? Well, Work Stoppage is here to tell you we're changing the format of our show to specifically address that and that only. <laughs> We're actually going to find a way to put an hour-long program together with no information, all skepticism, and literally just, like, bullshit sci-fi that we come up with on a whim. That's right. That's right. It's going to be worse than the worst programming on the sci-fi network by a mile, by quite a bit. It's going to be terrible. We are actually going to copy the alien space bears from Space Savage Planet. That's exactly (laughs) right. It's basically going to be a one-to-one reshoot of Savage Planet. (laughs) (laughs) I just, ever since we brought it up that one cart club, I just can't get over it. Now, yeah, I'm just thinking about alien space bears from space all the time. Uh, And honestly, it's terrifying. They've become my sleep paralysis demons. (laughs) Just the same (laughs) clip playing over and over, maybe in GIF format, so it's played in reverse the second time. That's right. (laughs) well welcome everybody to an episode of work stoppage which is just a regular podcast about regular labor struggles uh i'm here as always john i'm here with my co-host lena hello and we have a follow-up this week, but uh, it's about, well, you know how last time we were talking about the AFL-CIO, some of their member unions were, you know, suggesting that they would like to have a call for a general strike if Joe Biden wins the election and Donald Trump refuses to cede the presidency to him. And, and they and- did it, folks. We did a general strike. We are on <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We shouldn't even be podcasting right now because it would break our solidarity strike. No, uh, unfortunately, the votes are still being counted, but uh, it's kind of weird because I'm looking at the the election results right now. And Which it's is been, weird. It is what three forty eight p.m. on November the fifth. Yeah, and Nevada still has not been called either way. It's been sitting there shaded in blue with the exact number of electoral votes up for grabs that Joe Biden needs to assume the presidency and force hundreds of leftist podcasters to slightly retool their material for the next four years. (laughs) I actually took a moment before we uh, started doing this to, um, I guess, one of the people in Georgia was talking about the election and Mm -hmm. they were going over like all of the different counties and where they are and counting and, and everybody's so fucking impatient. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't even know if we should cover this, but we put too much of it in our notes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we can go down our list. Uh, so the AFL-CIO general, general strike has no developments. Not yet, the, no. Uh, Prop 22, the um, the independent con, like, uh, Lyft and Uber drivers who were classified as independent contractors will forever be classified as independent contractors yeah. in California because we have lost uh, the battle with capital on that one. Uh, turns out if you beam opinions directly into people's brains with enough money, you can win. Well, there was like so much shit going on with that, right? Like Uber drivers were getting ads for it in between rides and in between like picking up people's food. And then some people even said that they had to agree to vote for Prop 22 on the app before it would let them continue to pick up rides and stuff, which is just outrageous to me. And then it's also written into Prop 22 that like now that it's law, it would take a seven eighths majority to overturn. (laughs) which is like, when have you ever seen a seven eighths majority in politics that never ever happens? Like if, if you, if you were like, I think it should be illegal to just wantonly walk around the park, shooting people in the head, uh, there would be at least 15% of people who would be like, mm, I think that should probably be legal. Well, I mean, like I bet some of those people are landlords, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, it's, it's pretty well fucked. Um, I, I don't even know like what to say besides, uh, tried so hard, got so far <laughs> in the end, it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I think that the next note I have in here is fuck Joe Biden. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty easy one. Uh, he the- is probably, I mean, it appears he's probably going to win the electoral college votes. I think so. Um, he's definitely going to win the popular vote, but that doesn't matter for shit. Right. Um, he, he's probably going to win the electoral college. I mean, they if they call Nevada for him. Right, and I and I wanted to point out that this the um, fuck Joe Biden point would be in here whether Trump won or not, whether Biden won or not, and that is because uh, Joe Biden fucking sucks. Yeah, and this is not a victory for anyone. No, um, well, I mean, you and I were talking about this a little bit today before the show, and it's kind of like the, the, the biggest sting, like if Donald Trump won, that would be awful, right? That would be terrible, but at least it would be the kind of terrible that we've been facing for four years. And even though it, it makes us weary to have to fucking deal with it, like we know what kind of slog we're going to have to go through for another four years with Joe Biden. It's like, a, there's an element of mystery as to what a a Biden presidency would look like in a post Trump era of politics and and b because also it's this opportunity for like so-called progressives and the more like not as leftist uh side of the, the dsa incrementalists. Yeah, all the, just call them incrementalists well liberals is basically what they yeah. are they're like they're like liberals who dress up as being further left than they really are they're all gonna flock right back to the center and be like we can push joe biden left this is our opportunity for systemic change and incremental progress yeah as soon as people thought that that joe biden is probably gonna win they're just like huh, i guess we're done go home everyone <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, there's an argument to be made that Joe Biden is marginally, but still significantly enough, less bad than Donald Trump. 
But there's also a pretty compelling argument to be made, I think, for the fact that in a way he's worse because a lot of people are going to stop being outraged in the way they at least were under a Trump presidency while, you know, 90 percent of the atrocities still happen. He's also going to be really good at imperialism. Exactly. He's, he, you know, Joe Biden is not going to be a competent president, but he's surrounded by power. Very, very powerful people are very, very tight with Joe Biden, and they're still hyper-competent imperialists. They still want to do coups in other countries to take their resources and figure out ways to gut the American, you know, medical system more than it already is, the educational system more than it already is, turn everything into a business. That's the thing. That's the thing is like, in a way, a Joe Biden victory in this election is the ultimate Republican victory, right? Because Donald Trump might be a Republican, but he's not really a Republican. You know what I'm talking about? He's like this new crazy thing. Joe Biden is like a fucking Reagan Democrat. I think that this will what we saw here is, you know, we saw Bolivia's election and them getting, uh, you know, kind of a almost all of the people that they in mass uh into power on in the different like branches of government and i think that we will still see an effective coup against them just because of like the power that like joe biden's gonna have for his imperialism yeah i mean it'll take a while and it also you know it doesn't even depend where the coups happen don't depend nearly as much on who's in what offices uh politics wise as they do who's in what offices uh corporation wise like as soon as moss won the the like won by a landslide in Bolivia and and presumptively will be returning to power now. The next couple days, Elon Musk was on Twitter like, oh, the future of electric cars isn't in lithium batteries anyway. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> isn't that a little transparent, you know? Isn't that a yeah. little bit like like two on the nose, but I guess it's not, I guess, especially during the era of Trump, like being as on the nose as possible is, is what's in now. Yeah. And so, I mean, in the same vein of, you know, Joe Biden possibly winning, um, the squad, the four, um, people who have been considered the most progressive people in the, um, legislature, uh, were reelected. That was pretty good. Like I'd say yeah. that's it's I th- it's better than Joe Biden getting elected. I wouldn't say it's as good as actual socialists getting elected. Yeah, I mean um, AOC is fine. I guess you know Ilan Omar is pretty good. They're all pretty good for yeah. for what they are, which is bourgeois political figures. Like they do a great job considering that. But like you know, they're not socialists. They're yeah. not gonna pro- propel us. Like they're, they've said like the Green New Deal is an amazing ask, right? Mm-hmm. But like it's specifically set up so that you can systematically take things out of it, and it will still be a fairly progressive program. And that's not what we fucking need. We need a program yeah. so radical that if you systematically took things out of it to make it more appealing, at the end it would still be ten times more radical than anything that's possible in American politics right this moment. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that I want to talk about, I want to always, and I made this note in here that we need to keep asking, like, how does this affect workers? Like, I guess we can go a little bit back to Joe Biden. Like, is mm-hmm. Joe Biden going to put workers on the NLRB? No. I mean, is Joe Biden going to put workers in charge of anything? No. He'll put some organizations that are, like, symbolically in charge of workers. In fr- He'll put the most corrupt union officials he can find in government and on TV and stuff, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll 
fix up his buddies, his little cohort of careerists and stuff. But to imagine that Joe Biden is going to uh, somehow reach out and actively help workers, I don't think so. Now, will he be less of an active detriment to the day-to-day conditions of workers in the United States than Donald Trump? I think I can probably say yes on that, but (laughs) it's not a strong yes. It's not a a confident, (laughs) definitive yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with the the squad, I mean, I think that they are – Similar. I mean, they they do fight for good legislation, Mm -hmm. um, but whether or not they're going to be able to get it through uh, depends on things like the actual way that the um, House and Senate are um, structured, the House being mostly Democratic. Uh, the Senate being not. uh, I mean, again, Mm -hmm. these are this is before we actually have the full results in. um, But the leanings of where things are going. There, it's going to be the exact same as it is as it was during Trump. We're going to see the House um, pass legislation, and we're going to see the Senate ignore it, um, and we're also going to see that stuff that was passed in the House be totally mm-hmm. inadequate. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing about all of this is it's like whatever change we're being promised at this point is going to be woefully inadequate. You know, like let's say like Bernie had gotten the nomination, uh, swept uh, an even larger fervor of quote unquote progressivism and like DSA chapters being really influential or whatever uh, across all of the United States. And in, in addition to the, the squad getting reelected, uh, there was a whole new squad cropped up. And instead of four people, it was 12 people this time. Like that's still... <laughs> That still would not be enough. That would still be like totally inadequate to quote unquote fix the political situation in America, fix the economic situation in America, you know, for for workers least of all, but also just for everybody, just just for anybody who's suffering through problems in this country. Um, and that's why, I mean, like this whole election cycle, uh, if you're feeling burned out at the end of it, uh, one that's by design and two fucking rebel against it. Like you don't have to become somebody who's like, I don't think you should ever vote in any election, but like stop taking this shit so seriously and start following the money and the influence uh, around when you're looking at news items and social events and historical events and, you know, maybe formulate uh, a politics that doesn't only attack at the ballot box. So yeah, to speak. it's fine to vote. I mean, like I yeah, will, I will definitely, it. I will definitely say that it's fine to vote, but it's also fine to not in a certain sense. Like there are certain things that you can do on, uh, like ballot initiatives and, and things where your vote is actually counted. Um, but I would say that you would get a lot more done by actually making the things that are voted on like effective, yeah. It's it's going to be a lot more important that when you are out there demanding change, like that is the thing that ends up in the legislation. Like right. I understand that it's it feels very good to to have a voice, um but the actual people who are making decisions are not the people. Like right. you you have to make the people who are making decisions make better decisions yeah it's about the content of the system right it's not about like everybody loves to argue over form and you see this in arenas as different as like online leftists where the anarchists are like everything has to be totally horizontalized and marxist leninists are like you can't achieve anything without making it hierarchical and consolidating power or you even see it in like political arenas 
as it's even stupider than that, like like American bourgeois politics, where it's like big government versus small government, Republicans versus Democrats. It's like, why does it matter what the size of the government is if it's not in direct relation to how well it's doing the thing it's supposed to be doing? Like, I don't care if your organization is horizontal or vertical. Is it doing the thing that it's supposed to be doing? Is it actually going out and being politically effective. Like, I don't care if your government is big or small. I just want like the services and the protections that it offers to be readily available and to function well. Right. Like why, why all the, the pedantry over like, Oh, it should be just such and such a a size and just such and such a a manner of organization. It's like, no, you should be focused on the content of it and try and influence that. But that's not like, you know, we can't do that with like the Democrats or the Republicans or anything. We have to do that with our own organizations. Right. And that that brings me to um, the third party uh, votes that we're going <laughs> to just briefly mention on. Let's hear uh, it for Joe Jorgensen, everybody. We, Let's hear it for uh, Howie Hawkins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen a bunch of people say um, that with the, they have like uh, old screenshots of the green party saying, we just need to get to 5% and then literally looking at the final result of them getting 0.2%. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that was a total failure. Uh, well, I mean, a few people have pointed out that uh, the libertarians did get enough votes that if all of that had gone to the Republicans, it would have been a fairly decisive victory. And it's not outrageous to think that most libertarian voters, if they weren't voting libertarian, would vote for a Republican. And he, the thing about that is that I think that it totally rules and I don't care that it happened to the Republicans. I would have also thought that it would ruled if it happened to the Democrats. It rules when third parties spoil elections. Uh, I think that we should do it all the time. I think that we should make yeah. our elections fundamentally incomprehensible and functionally illegitimate. And that's honestly a better path to socialism than most yeah. of the shit that I hear thrown around. Yeah, but I do want to shame anyone who actually did vote for the Libertarian Party. Yeah, besides fuck the, the fa- Libertarians. Be, yeah, because of like the idea that we should do laissez-faire capitalism is just so I, honestly white supremacist. Like the, the oh, whole yeah. thing is based in white supremacy. Like, like, oh, you need to. So who dies? Why? Like, like in 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 laissez-faire capitalism, who dies? Like I just, it's always that question. Is it not? Who's your average libertarian? It's like there's two, there's two strains. There's like your very, very rich people who realize that it's a political ideology they can latch onto as a way to justify like not wanting to pay taxes or whatever. And then you have your like weirdos and true believers and like people who want to be allowed to get away with shit that the government would otherwise stop them from doing. That's like really fucked up. You know, the old joke about like all the libertarians are pedos and shit. But then you also have the people who are just like sheltered. Uh, you know, white middle class right. guys, and then they don't even think about that stuff. They're like, "Well, my life would basically be the same if the state wasn't around. So why why wouldn't everybody's be better?" And it's like you, that guy's just a fucking moron. Like, that guy's well, just like it's, the stupidest it's, person. It's I can getting imagine. along with white supremacy without realizing that you're upholding that system. Yeah, or and you know that's the other, like once they realize that they're upholding that system. 
they turn into regular fascists like that. Like the fucking mm-hmm. liber- the, the, <laughs> the barrier between being a, li- a quote unquote libertarian and a fascist in the United States is so permeable because libertarians basically just defer, like they don't think about, so they just defer to the dominant social, economic, cultural systems. And those are fascist in the United yeah. States. It's a fascist country. So yeah, they're like fascist light. Yeah. And I, I do want to ask this question before we get to the most important point of the election. Uh, but do you think that so assuming that like Trump sees the writing on the wall that he's lost and all that, do you think that he will gut the executive branch? <laughs> because um, they did it in Wisconsin. I mean, like they fucking yeah. did it in Wisconsin when they saw the Democrats coming in. They straight up gutted the executive branch. I don't know. That is a very uh, nobody. I haven't seen anybody talking about this possibility online, or nobody's he brought does, it up. He to has me. no. He has no qualms with doing extreme executive orders. It's an excellent question. He's, it just seems like something he would do. Yeah, I would love to see it. Honestly, that would be one of the greatest. It, it, that would be the highlight of Trump's presidency. That would be the it, best thing he did the entire time he was in office. Because, like, fuck the president. We don't need an executive branch. We, we well, don't we need really, a judicial branch. We need a one-party communist We party. really don't even need a legislative branch. Yeah, well, I mean, like, <laughs> I would be fine with having multiple parties. You just have to, like, suppress the capitalist ones. Yeah, um, there you go. That's pretty good. Yeah. But, um, you know what? Because of your, um, what do you call, your credentials, I'm going to let you announce this uh, this last one. Oh, my, my drugs credentials are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. To be fair, except in instances when I was hanging out with actual drugs people, I was always the drugs person in my friends group. So, um, <laughs> But when you're hanging out with actual drugs people, you start to realize what a tiny little baby I am. But it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so a bunch of states passed sweeping marijuana, cannabis reform, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Montana legalized marijuana, South Dakota legalized marijuana, Mississippi went medicinal, South Dakota went medicinal, um, Arizona just legalized the whole goddamn thing, New Jersey just legalized the whole goddamn thing, Uh, Oregon legalized psilocybin therapy, DC decriminalized psychedelics, and Oregon just decriminalized drugs pretty much entirely, which is like, that is movement like... I never imagined good. what happened. I mean, like, I mean, legalizing it for the rich is a is a step in the right direction. Compared, I mean, it should just be legalized because they're already legal for the rich. That's the thing. It's just like they're they're legalizing it for the somewhat rich instead of for the ultra rich. Right, exactly. Because I mean, if you can pay a hundred dollar fine and not, you know, end up in county jail, or if you, if or, I mean, if you. Because a lot of people who will get caught for these things mm-hmm. who don't have the money to pay the $100 fine will end up in county jail. Um, so they are still criminalized. But um, it is it is decriminalized for anyone who can afford to get caught and pay a $100 fine. Yeah. Um, so... Which is like, I, that's the thing. Like, you know, I've lived on both sides of that. Now I could get caught and pay a $100 fine and I would be totally a-okay. But like, you know, eight, Nine years ago, a one hundred dollar fine would have destroyed me. <laughs> like, it's it's so different now, but um, yeah. it's it's truly amazing. And a lot of people have been making jokes like, good, "Oh, though. we're gonna go to Oregon and we're gonna have the best party ever because they just decriminalized drugs." And it's like, that's that's 
no, stupid. Well, one, I'm the first person no, who won't. wants to make. Yeah, <laughs> one. <laughs> unless you live really close to the border of Oregon, you're not gonna bother. Even if it's only like a three hour drive, are you really gonna go three hours? And then like, are you gonna magically find a dealer just because you're in Oregon? No, right. it's a ridiculous proposition. When weed, when weed was decriminalized, you still couldn't find a dealer. Like, <laughs> no, it's still a pain in the ass. Although to be fair, now marketplaces for this kind of thing will crop up, but the marketplaces will be able to be a little bit more out in the open, which means that they'll be able to function a little bit more effectively as a regulating body of like quality and stuff like, okay, so after uh, cannabis became decriminalized in the city limits of Pittsburgh, uh, the website that I have been using to find my cannabis vendors, as they're called on the on the web, um, has been booming. And I've been buying off of the same guy for years now. He's the number one rated cannabis vendor in the Pittsburgh area. And he's got like 175 five-star ratings or something like that, spanning the course of like six years. That's and- a lot of ratings and, a, and not a lot of getting in trouble. Yeah, it's no getting in trouble as far as I know. And his quality is good. He's consistent. He has good customer service. And like these are things that are just Mm -hmm. missing from other drugs. And these are things that make other drugs so dangerous. You know, if if you're trying to get a hold of something, even just like acid, something relatively not dangerous, you might have to go to somebody who also sells fairly dangerous things like cocaine, maybe crack or, you know, meth or opiates or something like that. And you don't want to have to deal with that. But if you, you let this be out in the open, you strip the social taboo and you strip the legal taboo, especially away from it to a certain degree, it lets people be like, oh, yeah, I'm just the the magic mushrooms guy. Or, you know, even in the case of like heroin, like, yeah. hey, this guy has very clean, very safe, reliable heroin. There will never be fentanyl in it. You can use that to like get yourself off of heroin way better than fucking methadone would ever work. Right. 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 So when when marijuana was decriminalized in certain areas, how long did it take for it to become legalized? Because I like the points you're making, but I also think that they are a little apologetic towards the decriminalization. Uh, Like, that was pretty awesome kind of thing. Like, we really need to look at the benefits to legalization when it comes to actually providing information to people with addiction problems. Like, if you have to go to the pharmacy to get your cocaine, like, they're going to give you a pamphlet each time. They're going to let you know about places that you can go to get help. If you're getting this for someone else, where they can go go to get help. Like, there are ways that we can actually truly help people through a legalization method. Well, you fucking treat it like other addictive substances that you can get at the pharmacy, right? Like yeah. there's all this oversight. If you're going to be getting Vicodin for something, there's all this oversight. If you're prescribed Oxycontin and that oversight is important because like having, you know, you don't have to have like a fucking pamphlet foisted on you every time you buy it. But like if there's heroin pamphlets there on the counter and they're like, Hey, this is how heroin works. This is why you should never take any heroin that's not available from uh, a company that has it rated and regularly inspected and like all of this stuff. Because I don't know how it would work. But then there's a, there's a flip side to that, Lena, which I think is interesting because legalization would be better in a lot of cases and in a lot of ways. But 
what decriminalization does is it doesn't let major corporations jump in and suddenly start making right. money off of it. You know, yeah. Bay Bayer used to be the number one producer of heroin in the world. We don't want them to be that again. Uh, but we do want people who need heroin because they're addicted to it or whatever, you know, whether they're just using it in the course of their day-to-day -day life or whether they're using it as a, in lesser and lesser amounts to taper off as a way to get off of it, it should be clean and it should be as safe as humanly fucking possible for them. Right. And there should be somebody standing by in case they overdose and need to be given um, Narcan or be taken to a hospital. Right. And so, like, once we nationalize the pharmaceutical industries, we can legalize it because then we can put it under <laughs> the, mm -hmm. that, that sort of thing because we don't need a bunch of, like, rich people profiting off of the drug use of people, um, whether they're doing it recreationally or medicinally. Uh, I don't, that doesn't fucking matter to me. What matters to me is that we don't have someone lining their fucking po pockets based on someone's medical or recreational use of a substance. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, the whole reason cannabis has been illegal for so long is because a lot of people do prefer it to other medicines in, you know, cause it's not always a medicine, but it certainly can be used as one in certain conditions. And you know, especially for like giving chemotherapy patients their appetite back, it's amazing, but it also makes people not want to take other things for other things. And the drug companies are yeah. making their money off of those things. I you gotta, know? I gotta stand by that one. I had a serious medical procedure semi-recently, and I had a bunch of edibles, and mm -hmm. my appetite was back within one day. That like, rips. It was, it was great. <laughs> they they were really worried. Like, it's, it's something they warn you about. They're, like, really concerned that you're not eating enough. They give you suggestions on... Um, on, like, what you can do to make sure that you're able to eat, and... Uh -huh. I had no problems with that. I was I was hungry. <laughs> I, I was I was ripped out of my mind. Four hundred milligram edible, <laughs> like all cooked down into a oh, tiny I was just uh, doing ginger like snap a, cookie. I was doing like a twenty five milligram every hour or something like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome. I mean, hey, if that gets you your appetite back, and I imagine that it would. Well, and that's the other thing too. So it's like. No matter where you're at in the system of trying to get justice in the way that drugs and drug use are handled in our in our society and our culture, uh, the enemy is always the fucking drug company, right? Like the the reason that decriminalization isn't good enough is the drug companies. The reason why legalization comes with so many pitfalls is the drug companies. The reason why a bunch of this stuff is even illegal in the first place is the drug like it's there's never a point where you're not just like actively fighting the fucking drug companies and everybody wants to argue about like the legality of it and i don't care if you decriminalize it or legalize it either way is fine but we we need to handle the drug companies and nationalizing them is a good way to go uh, it yeah. doesn't totally remove the capital motive from that structure, especially if a bourgeois government nationalizes them, but it would still right. be a step in the right direction, I guess. Um, maybe there's something even cooler that we could do with them. I used to say yeah. municipalize, although I don't know if that would really work for drug companies. I think you do need very large scale organization for something like that. So we need a cool new futuristic praxis to do on drug companies. We need to go back on the death panel. We need to, we need <laughs> yeah. to go ask B, Artie, Phil, and Vince um, what exactly uh, is to be done. That's a good idea. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the election. We did almost a half hour on it. We need to stop. Yeah, fuck the election. I'm tired <laughs> of talking about it. 
There are other things going on. We can just wait. How about we just move into something that's really cathartic, like something that feels good. Uh, we're going to we're going to check out this video of a really awesome way to uh, quit your job, which we saw uh, a couple days ago from uh, it was uploaded around November 1st um, from a Walmart employee. Um, we're going to go ahead and play that clip now. Hell yeah. I just want to say that. Attention all Walmart shoppers, associates, and managers. My name is Shauna from Cap2, and I just want to come on here and say Henry is a racist, <laughs> stinky prick. Giovanna is racist. Elias is a prick of a manager. This company fires you black associates for smile. no reason. This company yeah. treats their employees like shit, especially Cap2 and Jimmy from Sporting Goods, Joseph the cashier, Larry from Garden Center. You are all perverts. Oh, gotta call and out the perverts. And I hope you don't talk to your daughters the way you talk to me. Shout out to Ariel. Fucking love you. Always the, the one person that the person quitting the loves. I love fuck to see managers, that. Fuck this company. Fuck this position. And fuck that big lazy bitch, Chris Pike. <laughs> I fucking quit. <laughs> I'm out. Oh, that's so good. Fuck this place. So good. I mean, everybody I, dreams of doing that, right? Like, there's so many, and that it, that's the that's the classic quitting rant. Like, fuck these people, they're racist. Fuck these people, they're perverts. Uh, you know, fuck the manager. <laughs> this one person I just love is the cool. Big, like the big fuck the boss at the end. <laughs> yeah, I just love that it always includes one person that you love. There's always one person where you're like, you're cool. You were my work friend. Instead of being mad at you, you get a shout out. Um, I hope that if I ever get to witness somebody doing their, their big quit that I get the shout out, but, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> what's the best I, way, what's the best way you ever quit a job, Lena? Have you ever quit in a, um, in a yeah, fun way? Actually, if you listen, we just, um, uh, released a, uh, one of our early, actually our very first patron episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Wasn't episode nine, our first patron episode. Um, I think it was. Yeah, well, either way, we released that one uh, to the public, and so it gives you a little bit of an insight into some of my old organizing, and mm-hmm. that job was actually um, the uh, place where I did my best quit, um, because what had been happening is uh, we were struggling to organize and keep a keep. Uh, this, there was a big decertification vote. Oh, Okay. And this was because we were a bunch of like the pro union people got fired and there was a bunch of like retaliation for us unionizing. We were basically at one year of being a union and the people or one of the main people who was helping me uh, organize people and get the new uh, hires on board to like vote against the decertification uh, stopped responding to my messages. And at one point I, um, met them on the floor. I'm like, Hey, we need to have a meeting. And they said, I'm not going to have a meeting with you if we're going to talk about the union. And right then we, I kind of like, based on the way that everything had stacked up, you just realize that you've lost. Like you, like there's no way if, if I don't actually have like the main people, especially popular people backing mm-hmm. me up on this, we do not have this. Um, and so I got a little depressed Um, I did, uh, finish that shift and I decided I was never going to go back to that job, but that's not exactly how I quit. Uh, I did 
call the um, um, our union and say, I'm pretty sure we're not going to win this. Um, and I began to call in sick until I went through all of my sick time. Now, oh, okay. generally you would get asked for like a doctor's note or something like that. But I was so militant that they didn't dare like... <laughs> like do anything to me they never questioned when i would call up my boss and say i'm not feeling well it was for the first time in my life my boss just said okay i mean at least there's because that because they knew how yeah because they knew how militant i was in this whole process and so i went through until i had pretty much determined that i was out of sick time i think in the end i was off by like six hours and i did leave six hours of sick time that i wasn't going to get paid for anyway uh, the day that I decided to quit was the first time I ever actually went to a pride. And so I was dressed up for pride. I went mm-hmm. in with um, my work shirts. I put them in or I put them on the counter and my manager's like, oh, why do you need so many shirts? And I was like, oh, I'm just donating them. I'm donating them to the other workers. <laughs> and uh, And then he said... Um, okay, well, did you bring, uh, pants to work in? And I said, well, I didn't bring the intention of working. (laughs) I then said, I'm only here to email the store manager to let him know that I'm quitting. And he said, oh, you're putting in your two weeks. And I said, oh no, no, (laughs) (laughs) oh no, I am not. I, uh, I am just quitting right now. And I put in the email. I, I logged into my little thing. I put the email. I said, hey, I quit. And then I grabbed my bag and I went to Pride. That rips. <laughs> that fucking owns. I don't know. I felt pretty good about it because I uh, managed to stay paid for a little while while um, go- burning through my sick time, which they weren't going to pay me for. Yeah. My 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 cool quitting story doesn't have uh, any of that forethought in it. <laughs> um, it's just like I was working as a dispatcher for this thrift store, like for the the drivers who went out and picked up donations to the thrift store, uh, and they my my boss promised over and over that he was going to give me this time off that I needed to go see my dad I don't remember if it was Christmas or whatever but I wanted to drive up to Michigan to go see my dad um and when the time came they put me on the schedule for the days that I had requested off and I asked them I was like hey I really need these days off and they were like no we're not going to give them to you um even though we said that we would we don't care uh and the thing was at that job at the end of the day I had to file a report and I had to put it in the fax machine downstairs and type in a phone number to fax it to the fax machine upstairs in the office so that the manager (laughs) could look at it on his way out the door. And, uh, so on the weekend, cause we were going to like leave on a Monday, it got to be like the Sunday before. And I was like, oh, should I quit so that I can go? Or should I just call in sick? And I was like, you know what? Fuck this place. They treat me like garbage. I'm going to quit. So I hooked up my printer to my phone line, to my landline in my apartment, which I've never used before or since, uh, I configured it to send faxes. And then I printed out a piece of paper that said, I quit effective immediately. Please do not contact me. And I signed my name on it and I faxed it to the office. Uh, <laughs> and then I unplugged my printer and <laughs> never heard from them again, except for a check in the mail. 
Nice. Actually, that's that's really not bad. I was really hoping that you would send them like the you always you you mentioned like the the text of the Libertarian Socialist Manifesto or whatever. Oh yeah, like, no, I should I should have definitely included some like socialist propaganda. I mean, this was a few years ago. I wasn't quite as. Um, developed either as a as an anti-capitalist or as a funny person as i am now (laughs) yeah now yeah now now we if we were ever to get hired in a place that uh we had that sort of ability we would get fired before as soon as they found out what sort of people we were i know like that's the that's the crazy thing about my job now is like they're the only place incompetent enough to not realize that (laughs) i'm probably a huge detriment to their organization i'm a little surprised you know (laughs) but yeah i nobody but see the thing is is no one's gonna rat you out like you're you're so you're you're so honest like and even if they did like you're likable I'm likable. I'm well liked by my coworkers. And the really unfortunate part is that I am good at my job. And like in the day to day sense, I do a really good job and I keep everything well taken care of. But that's not out of any love for my employer. That's just because it makes my life easier for everything to be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's yeah. strictly well, it. And there's no reason to do a bad job if. Well, I mean, like, there, ideally, there wouldn't be a bad reason. Well, or ideally, a good reason to do I would, a bad job. I would find things that I'm technically supposed to do on paper that would actually fuck everything up and just maliciously do everything by the book in the yeah. least effective possible way because it's just fun and <laughs> funny. But it would it would be so much effort, and I have all these podcasts to work on and stuff. And like, am I sticking it to one midsize, you know, boss of a midsize company? Uh, it's it's just not yeah. worth my time. Well, um, thank you for listening to our stories. Uh, we're yeah. going to move uh, to some actual... Uh, I to mean, some like, fucking news. Yeah, some news. We're going to get back to the work stoppage program that <laughs> you're more used to. Yeah, after only 40 minutes. Well, our next big thing is it's another victory for the Luddites, folks. In the biggest victory since they broke into the Victorian era shops and smashed up all the looms. Walmart has finally <laughs> cut ties with Bossa Nova Robotics, a company who was developing robots to scan their shelves for inventory and see what was missing. And I'm sure developing robots to do all manner of things, but the only ones that they had really released basically went up and down the aisles and just checked if anything was missing. Now, it seems like, according to this article that we have here from CNBC, this was basically spurred on by the pandemic. Like, they were already working on this technology, but once there was all this panic buying of a lot of paper products, and other goods and necessities, uh, they were having trouble even keeping things on the shelves for like more than, you know, and I don't know how long, but a short amount of time. And so they were like, okay, let's deploy these robots to go and scan these shelves. Uh, and now it seems like they don't care about that anymore, probably because it's a stupid thing to do to have robots do things that human beings could do just as easily. And especially in a mixed work environment where you have robots who are probably going to be getting in people's way and making employees feel like weird and uncomfortable and kind of replaced. I was thinking that like, what if they're, they like move side to side. Do they have to recognize if there are customers? Like, I don't know. It seems like this whole thing is really poorly thought through in the first place. Like, don't they just have cameras on every single fucking aisle that they could use to scan the shelves. Yeah, I mean, I think we're really just at the point where like these mega corporations have more money and influence than sense and instead of like letting technology develop and like letting scientific research develop in a way where we then take what we learned and figure out the best applications for it, they are designing applications 
for technology in a boardroom and then asking engineers to make it happen, despite the people who came up with the idea not having any idea how anything fucking works. Oh, we know how effective that is. Yeah. Right. But then when it's not perfect, they get reprimanded. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's the old, like... It's the old system of like the the fucking management and the executives or whatever you want to call the people with a vision usually have no fucking idea what the people on the ground are going through to keep up with them. It's the you know, it's why people who work on Hollywood movies have such strong fucking unions so that bratty directors can't be like, well, if you can't make it happen, you're fired. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and the, this is happening in Walmart, and so unfortunately we're not getting any unions. In fact, the um, person who we heard in the video a little bit ago is probably doing the uh, best thing that you can do in a Walmart, which is call everyone out for being shitty, because honestly, organizing in a Walmart is pretty near impossible. Yeah, very, very um, difficult. But I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I, I have a lot of ad- admiration for anybody who quits Walmart, but a lot of Walmart jobs, people have them because Walmart is the only thing within 30 miles of their house that doesn't require, you know, a, a fucking bachelor's degree and two years of experience. Well, I guess in a in another giant company, uh, there are Teamsters at Coca-Cola who went oh, on yeah. strike in Toledo. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I always like to see Teamsters out there doing it. Teamsters... Uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the history of organize, of their organization compared to maybe what I should, but I'll tell you this, every time I've ever met a Teamster, they have the right fucking attitude. They know how to be a fucking labor, a member of a labor union and wear it on their fucking sleeve. Yeah. Uh, so they announced that they were going on strike on Monday. So this is like four days ago at this point, um, November 2nd. Uh, it seems like it's over contract negotiations. I looked at two different uh, articles in research for this uh, Toledo Blade. They were from the Toledo Blade and a local news affiliate called WTOL. I also did a little bit of Googling. I could not find the details of the contract negotiations that are being disputed. It seems like one or both of the parties is very insistent on them being kept secret. Um, I don't know what the politics is behind that, but that just seems mm. to be the case. So members of Teamster Local 20 walked off the job at 12.01 a.m. from the facility at 3970 Catawba Street. Uh, The union said that this was the result of many months of negotiations and was a refusal of what the company was calling their last best final offer. Yeah, the companies like to do that. They like to say that they're not willing to negotiate any further because otherwise they can't afford it or some other bullshit. And they like they don't have I've mentioned this before, but they're not willing to prove whether or not they can actually do it. They're willing to just strong arm the union into uh, they say strike, get locked out. I don't care. Like we're done. Like yep. like that's that's what they do. And they um uh, they bargain unfairly. Uh, loss, last, best, and final often means um, that they have a shitty proposal. Um, it is often with rollbacks. Uh, it's never the best uh, contract. In fact, what they'll do is they'll cut something that is important and then give one concession. But in reality, it is not any better than any other contract that they've ever proposed. Um, and they try to put the onus on the union itself. Um, yep. Well, and it seems like they're, they're trying to push the union to, to stop working anyway, because they're just like, 
the Coca-Cola knows that they're not going to give these workers a fair deal. And it's probably finally been made evident to management that the workers aren't going to take their shit. So everybody mm -hmm. is just like, you know, okay, we're going to move to strike. Uh, the company knows it. We know it. It's the only thing that we have to do. And so the company is basically already moving to bring in scabs. They won't say it outright. Um, but they released a statement regarding the strike. We are disappointed with the union's decision to take our teammates out on a strike. We do not believe this action is in the best interest of our Again. teammates. We greatly value the contributions of our Toledo teammates and had put forth a very fair and equitable offer during our contract discussions. We have a plan in place. That's the part that perturbs me. We have a plan in place to prevent interruptions to our business operations so we can continue to serve our customers and consumers in the best way possible. That's scabs. They're going to bring in scabs. Yeah, not not only that, but it's always positioning the union as not the workers. Like you see, it happened mm -hmm. twice in what John was uh, reciting from the Three company. Times. They Three called times. them teammates. Yeah, well, no, and it's the and, and they might be teammates, but they will always say that the union is forcing the teammates to strike. Right. Bullshit. Like it is the like the the workers are the union. Like stop pretending that the workers are not the union. Yeah, we are disappointed with a majority of the dis of the union membership's decision to take themselves out on a strike is what this thing should read. But of course, they can't ever acknowledge that, like this was a democratically reached decision. You know, it's yeah. not like the, the union leadership just unilaterally tells the workers to do things because then what would make them any fucking different from the company? <laughs> they, yeah. That's what they're supposed to stop from happening. Right. So it's really, really fucked up. Um, well, back on the, the, the point of, yeah, you know what? Solidarity with the Coca-Cola workers. Um, back on the idea that uh, what would Trump do and uh, gutting the executive branch. Well, his NLRB is trying to gut union rights of use of Scabby the Rat. And if you're not familiar with Scabby the Rat, it is a giant inflatable rat that generally people on strike use to deter um like scab labor because it's literally called scabby the rat saying mm -hmm. hey they're using scabs um and the nlrb is basically trying to argue that this is an intimidation tactic against consumers and uh the, the i think that there's a a way to look at this that uh says a like literally standing outside of a business as a picket is no different i mean like well, you're, that's what you're they would trying like to say you're, yeah, but you're trying to deter people from showing up and, like, literally crossing a picket line. Don't cross the fucking picket line. But then mm -hmm. also to uh, the people who are arguing in favor of Scabby the Rat are using free speech as some sort of argument when in reality this is just a, cons a protected concerted work effort. No matter what it is, this is yeah. actually protected by the NLRA because this is part of their ability to express that they are being treated unfairly. I mean, bringing Scabby in is an unfair labor practice in my yeah. at least in my opinion god help us though that americans would ever actually refer to a piece of legislation that isn't the constitution <laughs> yeah. right? like we have no idea how to be like oh the nlra actually you know 
protects us in, in our usage of Scabby the Rat. No, it's like, First Amendment, my motherfucking First Amendment rights. Although, to be honest, that might just be a strategic thing because the media will pick up a First Amendment. So, but they, they should know the media is yeah. going to be biased against labor anyway. I'm just tired um, of all of this free speech stuff because free speech is bullshit. It doesn't even yeah. exist. It's, it's a fake thing. It's an imagined thing. But, I mean, like, Scabby the Rat fucking rips. That's the other thing yeah. about Scabby. Because, like, it... They're apparently you, up to 25 feet tall. I want to see that fucking 25 foot tall scabby the rat that's the one i want to see fucking wild wacky arm flailing inflatable tube men got nothing on scabby the rat that big fucking duck that they cart around from american city to american city each summer and stick in like rivers and bays and stuff that duck is a class traitor fuck that (laughs) duck scabby the rat is the real inflatable animal for our times it feels like they are the like if we were to do a meme review on scabby the rat we would rate it what 420 out of 10 i mean we don't even rate memes during our (laughs) meme review maybe that's a systematic weakness of our show but uh, (laughs) maybe we should start um yeah but if i if you were like rate scabby i would be like scabby is a strong nine out of 10, maybe a 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. obviously, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Can I, can I say that? Like, I think beating up scabs is better than putting up a giant inflatable yeah. rat. <laughs> <laughs> you actually, I, uh, I don't know if you can say that. And if we can't, <laughs> if we can't say it, <laughs> then, then it was just me inquire. Well, I was just inquiring whether that's something you can say or not. So we're good. right. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know if it's okay <laughs> to say that uh you should beat up scabs uh we don't know if it's something that's allowed um this reminds me uh we we may cut this but my favorite new thing is to say you know we should um get bullets that make people quit their jobs and not die and shoot all the police um (laughs) i mean it's like you know i think i think it all goes back to that whitest kids you know sketch where trevor moore is like hi i'm trevor moore did you know that it's illegal to say i want to kill the president of the united states of america It's illegal. It's a federal offense. It's one of the only sentences that you're not allowed to say. Now, it was okay for me to say it right then because I was just telling you that it's illegal to say, I want to kill the president of the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, you can, like, like, don't, like, you don't want to use regular bullets to shoot the police. I will will say that. (laughs) You want to make sure that the bullets only make them quit their job and don't harm them in any way when you shoot all the police. That's so funny. It's like it's it's illegal to say you should go shoot the police, but it's not illegal to say you shouldn't use regular bullets to shoot the police (laughs) because it's like, you know, am I referring to blanks or am I referring to armor piercing rounds? Well, blanks are still there. They're all, they're all dangerous. They should only be ones that make them quit their job and don't (laughs) hurt them in any way and use those bullets. Um, yes, officer, all of these firearms are registered, but more to the point, uh, they just, a little stick pops out the end when I pull the trigger and a flag unrolls from it that says bang. It says, unempl- <laughs> it says unemployed on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's just go right into yeah, the meme review. Yeah, let's get in the meme review. F it. Um, you know what? 
it's so this one's really simple. It's just Trump looking at um, Melania, just like like auditing her vote. They're they're yeah. voting next to each other. He is so fucking insecure. Uh, pro- pro- obviously, rightfully so. A paranoid asshole. Uh, not even trusting uh, his partner. Well, um, I mean, to be fair, I'm 99% sure Melania voted for Kanye. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, but um, as for like one that was going around, um, this is going to be a bunch of election stuff. I'm sorry. We said we were done with the election. There's a couple more. Uh, we've got <laughs> a, an electoral map, which is all pink, and it says it's Britney, bitch, and it's Britney Spears actually right. out there. Comrade Britney Spears wins the election. This is exactly Finally- what we wanted. <laughs> Finally free from her conservatorship and able to run the socialist states of America. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wins. And also, pop music is finally good again. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We fucking did it, folks. Well, speaking uh, of music being good. Well, actually, bad. speaking of quite the opposite, speaking of music being utterly terrible, we have something that was going around. It's just a screen cap of some tweets, but uh, it's this person, social distancing warrior. I can't see their actual nacho at nacho. So spicy. <laughs> great at um <laughs> this replies to trapped it says i'm still waiting on you guys to answer me if you like imagine dragons and trapped says yes they are great and then at nacho so spicy replies well imagine dragging these nuts across your face you one hit wonder maga chud which is like <laughs> yeah, right. it was, imagine dragging these nuts across your face is pretty yeah. fucking amazing yeah i don't know it was, pretty, it was it was like a different take on the these nuts joke which i yeah i thought was pretty funny um <laughs> this is from uh, the next one is from uh, getting learnt philosophy Right, one of yeah, the greatest Facebook is. pages Getting of all time. <laughs> Shoutouts to them, great page. Uh, yeah, so this this is uh, just uh, Ricky from Trailer Park Boys uh, with a, I guess a mini Uzi of sorts or something like that. I don't know much about. I this, think that's an SMG. Don't SMG. quote me. I'm not a gun guy. Yeah. Me either. Um, the thing with the electoral college is your vote doesn't really matter. The stupid college people. Uh, peoples decide where your vote goes so now i have to use this gun to voice for my voice to be heard and it's just like (laughs) it's very nice it's like like whenever ricky explains something he does it in like this kind of dumb way but like this is just kind of based yeah it's super based well you also kind of corrected the rickyism when you read it because you said the electoral college but this says the electric college oh yeah instead of like you know it's not fucking water under the fridge julian uh but that's what i love about ricky and i think it really speaks to a point the first time bp bledis ever had the dumb and awful hosts on rob really drilled home to us that we need to come up with some kind of dumb guy socialism and i think if there's any method of explaining dumb guy socialism it's turning yeah, turning, turning socialist ideas into rickyisms there's yeah. i can't imagine a better way yeah that's really that's good um as for I think we have a wholesome one next, the one that I wanted to um do after the trailer park oh, boys yeah. one. And it is just a photo of Winnie the Pooh. That's and right. And the caption is uh Y'all might not remember, but Winnie the Pooh kept a strap at all times, uh, <laughs> and it's literally just Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh with a shotgun going at the door. That's right. I mean, Winnie the Pooh did stay strapped. You know that my boy always had his little kind of a rifle, kind of a shotgun looking ass thing but if, I, I if you it. watched this if, if you watched this when you were a kid and i did um because this uh this this cartoon that this is from had a really really dope 
number in it called Heffalumps and Woozles. Trippy oh, yeah. as fuck. A great deal of fun to watch if you're hyper-baked or on acid or whatever. But what I love about Pooh's gun is that it has a cork in the front, <laughs> and it's attached <laughs> to a string, so he doesn't lose it, and he can pick it back up and stick it back in the gun and shoot it again. And honestly, <laughs> nice. that fucking rips. Yeah, un- unlimited ammo. <laughs> that's that's right, unlimited <laughs> ammo. Why right, has that this, never uh, been modded into a first-person shooter game? Riddle me yeah. this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and now we have to uh, dunk on ourselves for our last one. Oh, this is nice. We don't run ads. I don't want to spoil it. Right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna run one ad right at the end of this. Uh, that's true. Uh, this is just a another uh, tweet. So the it's it's said from like a podcaster's perspective. It says, podcasters, we are on the cusp of transforming into a fascist nation, a country on the brink of civil war. I know when I'm in a civil war, I get hungry. That's why Blue Apron. And then it just <laughs> it trails off. But like, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I haven't seen anything that egregious yet, yeah, but I imagine pretty- there's got to be at least one podcast that's like straddling the line between being in the like trying to be in the hip further left scene but is really stuck in the like pod save america kind of dorks scene and and runs like you know i i know i feel a lot of disquiet in these troubling times but something that takes my mind off it for a minute is raid shadow legends (laughs) (laughs) this episode of fighting capitalism is brought to you by ridge wallet <laughs> the thinnest Have you wallet. been having a hard time sleeping with with the way that capitalism has taken over your life? <laughs> Casper mattresses. I sleep like a baby while the world burns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, with our the one ad we do at the uh, in this is oh, yeah. Speaking uh, if of like, ads, uh, if you'd like this- to support us directly. The way that, like, you should support people is you can, well, I mean, at least in the way that we you could, uh, is via Patreon at patreon.com slash workstoppage. You can give us $5. You get an extra episode um, every, so you make sure to get an episode every week. Um, if you are a patron already or you are unable to become a patron, for one, like, hit me up in the Discord. Join our Discord. Uh, I'd be happy to, to hook you up with uh, an episode you were super interested in hearing. Uh, but otherwise, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, follow John at uh, Facebook Villain, me at Solidarity Be on Twitter. Uh, check out Beep Beep Lettuce. Um, and again, join our Discord. I will probably repost the um, link to it. But also remember, I put all of these memes in the Discord itself. So if you'd like to actually visually see these memes instead of just hearing our mediocre descriptions of them uh, at some point are amazing descriptions they're great they're great descriptions uh Fucking you Picasso can go into the discord uh thank you all for listening and we will see you next week the greatest descriptions of all time Baby, can't you see I'm calling A girl like you should wear a warning It's dangerous, I'm falling There's no escape, I can't wait I need a hit, baby, give me it You're dangerous, I'm 
Can't come down Losing my head 